Hey guys, this is Rob Carbone. Welcome to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankee info than by listening to this podcast right here, right now. All right, all right, all right. What's going on, guys? Rob Carbone here on a Sunday night, 9 p.m. about. Coming at you with BD4 episode 18 already. That's crazy. We're already 18 episodes in to my new podcast here. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's still so weekend for the Yanks, but you'll settle with a split with Toronto if that's going to be one of the worst things to happen to your team of late. You know what I mean? So, I mean, they haven't lost the series since that Fenway disaster. But, I mean, since then, they went nine in a row. And then they split this series. So not a terrible result considering where we are right now. And especially when you refer to the game this afternoon. I mean, sure, the bats were dead. You know, the bats were nowhere to be found. Just five hits. Um, a couple of doubles. But, I mean, what a way to go out by um, ending the series with a spectacular outstanding, fabulous pitching performance by Masahiro Tanaka. I mean, holy shit. Right? I mean, these guys... So, like I said, the the Yankees, I believe they have the best offense in the league. You know, if not, it's at least top three. But they're going to have off nights. And so, I think what was important today is, you know, one game or not, the Yankees showed that they're still capable of winning games with their pitching staff. You know, your offense can go into a dry spell. But when you're able to pull it out a one nothing when you're able to win one nothing, you know, that that's that's a good sign. They're able to show that even when their offense is dead, they can still win games. And Tanaka stepped up big today, just like he does from time to time in the regular season when the team needs him. He's always been a big game pitcher. Never really the most consistent in the regular season. But, I mean, he steps up when he used to. You know, just look at his postseason track record. But, I mean, today he was just outstanding there, man. He goes eight innings. Comes back out for the ninth. Um, He did give up a single. Aaron Boone took him out afterwards. But, I mean, I think I would have left him in there. He was cruising. I mean, he only gave up three hits before that. And all four of the, hit, all four of the hits that he surrendered were singles as well. I mean, he was just cruising out there. Ground ball, soft contact. You know, not the highest, only truck out four, but... I mean, he did his thing. Got help from his defense when he needed it. Um, He was locked in, man. And he got his rhythm as the game progressed, too. Early on, it looked like he was a little up and down with his breaking pitches, leaving some up in the zone. Got away with a couple. But, yeah, as the game went on, so did Tanaka. He locked in. And shut Toronto down from there. And then you go to the ninth inning. My God. I mean, I would I never thought I'd be this nervous uh, with, for the Toronto Blue Jays. I mean, they got some good young talent on that squad. And obviously the, uh, what's it called? The at-bat of the night, of the afternoon, was the first batter Chapman came in to face. What's-his-name steps up to the plate. Guerrero Jr. 
And Vlad just taking hacks at Chapman's 103 mile per hour fastballs. And they go at it for 13 pitches. I mean, it was an epic, you know, man to man, power versus power, my best versus your best matchup there. Two, you know, very good players. One, one of the best closers of all time versus one of the best young hitters in the game. Um, and it was an epic battle, man. Chapman ended up getting the ground ball double play, and he finished the game by getting the save eventually. It was just a fun, it was a fun ninth inning there for a second. Had me on the edge of my seat. <laughs> I mean, the Blue Jays got some young talent. They're going to be good. They're going to be very good. And I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if next year, I'm not saying they make the playoffs, but next season, maybe they'll have like a 2018 Tampa Bay Rays type year, you know? Where they contend, but they don't quite make it. I think they're, you know, they're they might be a little ahead of the schedule because I don't know, maybe I don't know, maybe they make a little bit of a run next year. Two years the latest. I think they're going to be pretty good though. But no, great win this afternoon, and they all the uh, Yanks took two out of four, so they took the first game of the set. Then they lost two in a row. Um, the first game was pretty good, man. I mean, Gio Urshela. What more could you say about Gio? He hits two two home runs. We'll get to him in a second. Talkman hits a two-run shot that game. Uh, who else? DJ and Maben had three hits apiece. Those guys keep raking. Yanks won that. They had 12 runs. I think it was 12 to 6 game. Her mom pitched that game. Now, he wasn't awful. I mean, he started out pretty well. He tossed four scoreless innings. Um... Come the fifth inning, he fell off a cliff a little bit. Started giving up some hits, some hard contact. Ended up going five, allowing three runs. So, you know, you'll take that, man. You'll take that from him at his worst, you know. And he's had a very strong season. Something I don't think the ERA really reads. It doesn't do him enough good because I think it's sitting at 4.08 right now for Herman. But if you go into it, go into the numbers... You look at his game log, you know, his game-by-game game performances. He's really only had two shitters, you know, like two really bad starts where he gave up six or seven runs in each of those. So outside of that, I mean, he's been very good. Bunch of good outings, a couple of gems, sprinkled in some mediocre ones. But, I mean, overall, you look at his, his yeah, he's been great. He's been the number their number one pitcher this season, no question. So he has a solid first game. We get to game two. Uh, there's not really much to talk about there. Yanks lost eight to two. Jay Happ gives up six of those runs. Oh, what else on this Happ guy, man? I mean, he's listen, listen. I I said it in the very very beginning of the off season. I even said it after his uh, after his ALDS screw up that they should stay away from him in free agency. I didn't think the Yankees should have signed Hap back. And I definitely didn't think they should have signed him for $17 goddamn million dollars per year. Are you kidding me with that shit? But yeah, I mean, listen, if you actually thought Hap was going to come back this year and do great, you're out of your mind. Because first of all, that little 7-0, 2-something ERA run he was at, that he was on for the Yankees at the end of the season last year, that was the most overachieving thing in the world. He's never been that pitcher. And if you watch baseball, if, you, if you've if you been a Toronto fan and seen Hap pitch, you know that's not who he is. 
Look at his track record. Guy's got a career 3-9. Okay. Look at his age. He's 36 years old. His best pitch, a 93-mile-per-hour heater, is on the decline. I mean, you knew he was... I, it was almost like screaming you in the face, this guy's not going to be good. And what do you know? He can't, he, he shits the bed this year. He's got a 5-something ERA, and everybody's acting like it's a surprise. It's not a surprise. The Yanks should have stayed away from this guy because he was not going to be good, and now he's not good, and they got him for another year. It's it's incredible. I feel like I'm the only one who saw this coming. But, yeah, no, that was game two. Hap gives up six. Typical Hap. Game three comes around. Now, this game, the Yankees should have definitely won. That's, that's what the most frustrating part of this series was. So it could have easily been three out of four. Because uh, they went with the opener in Game 3. And I'll rant on that in a second too. But um, they had a 4-3 to lead in the 7th inning, man. You got a 4-3 to lead in the 7th with the quote-unquote best bullpen of all time. You got to win that game. Uh, but they didn't. Adam Adovino comes in. Gives up the big hit. Jays take the lead. And they go on to win that game. But... Yeah, the goddamn opener, man. Listen. Listen, 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 listen. I know the Yankees coming into that game were undefeated with the opener. Okay? Here's the thing. If you guys are going to tell me... If you're going to tell me that win-loss record for pitchers doesn't mean shit... Then stop using it for your pro-opener argument. Okay? (laughs) Then stop doing that. Because if we're being honest, an ERA is the number one thing to look at first and foremost. Openers versus Yankee starters, not much different. Well, I'm sorry, bullpen days. So everybody that pitches on opening days versus Yankee starters, the ERA differential isn't that much better. It's it's like in the mid fours versus like the barely low fours. So really, I mean, you want to talk about openers, it's not really been that much of an improvement. I'm not a big fan of it. I do not think it's going to work versus the big bad Astros in the playoffs and all the other good hitting teams like the Twins and whoever else. I don't think it's going to work in the postseason. I really don't. I don't like it. Kills the bullpen. Taxes a lot of guys. You end up using some nobodies like Tarpley, Adams, who were just horrific that game. They gave up. Combine three runs in their time out there. You know, you end up using guys like Cortez. And Cortez has had a cute little regular season. But, again, you really trust him versus the Astros. <laughs> so, I, I'm not a big fan of the opener thing. I, I mean, it's like this. It's like a small market gimmick. The little small market shit teams do. Okay, this is not what the New York Yankees... This is not what the $4.6 billion New York Yanks should be doing. <laughs> they shouldn't be bullpenning. <laughs> I can't stand it, man. I can't stand it. And uh, so they lose that game. But like I said, they come back today. They win. All is still well. Um, First place in the division by nine games, I believe. Up on the Rays still. Boston still up and down, up and down, up and down, hot and cold. I think they lost today. I think Houston actually lost as well to Baltimore. The day after they scored three touchdowns on them, they ended up losing uh, in the ninth inning of a walk-off. So that's another thing. We need this home field advantage, man. Yanks absolutely need to go 
balls out for this home field advantage, getting the best record in the regular season. It's it's so important, man. I can't stress enough how much they need to do this. You know, that extra game at home in the postseason is much bigger than it sounds. Much, much bigger. I mean, just you, you don't think home field advantage is important? Well, just look at the Yanks in 2017. You remember the 2017 postseason? If I'm correct, they won all of their games at home in the playoffs that year, but they couldn't win a single road game in the playoffs that year. So there, there's your, there's your uh, home field advantage right there. So don't tell me it's not important. That shit is important. You want the Yankees to play in front of that electrifying Bronx crowd. And trust me, I go to just about every goddamn playoff game there is when, when October comes around, and it's electrifying. It's a difference maker. You don't want them playing in Houston. You want them playing at Yankee Stadium. And, you know, it's another thing. It's not just Houston. We're going to be playing in the playoffs if we get that far. I mean, we got, I mean, there's Cleveland, there's Minnesota, and who else, you know? Whoever else. So you got to focus on everybody else, too. But, yeah, home field advantage, obviously important. Got to finish the season by winning as much more games as possible. That's why it's been important to beat these teams like Toronto. That's why it's going to be important to finish off Baltimore this week. Because we need these games. We need these gimmies. These gimmies are the, are the ones that you need to take. Have to take the easy ones. All right? What's that old saying? Uh, the great teams, they stay afloat versus the, the elite ones. And they beat up on the bad ones. Something like that. <laughs> so that's what we need the Yanks to do. And maybe even more than that. If they really want this best record. So... That's what I'm hoping for. And again, it's going to take a lot more than just good offense down the stretch. Pitching is going to have to come around. And, you know, the Yanks have everything else. They really do. They have everything else. They have the bats this year. You know, the bats are much more versatile. They're not one-dimensional. You know, they're not that home run or nothing. Off-balance team that we saw last year. They're much better. They make contact. They're clutch. They hit for a high clip of average. So they have the bats, the power. The bullpen's very it's solid. It's very solid. I do think it's overrated, but when they throw strikes and when they're on, they're solid. It's just it's gonna be the starting pitching. We're gonna have to beg that Luis Severino comes back. We're gonna have to hope he comes back healthy, ready, and ready to start. Enough of this bullpen shit I'm hearing with him. Luis Severino out of the bullpen is not going to help the Yanks win a championship. Okay, the Yankees need starting pitching. They need a guy or two who can give you six, seven innings. So, if Severino doesn't come back, man, I don't know how they're going to do it. But that also makes you wonder that James Paxton needs to be a guy to step up. He's pitching tomorrow afternoon. He's been better lately. His last two have been quality starts. But yeah, he needs to be that frontline guy that we traded for. It's, you know, like I said, this rotation, the Yankees are banking on ifs here. Houston's pretty much banking on, you know, they have reliability. They have a game plan with their rotation. They know their rotation is strong. The Yankees don't know their rotation is strong. It's a different story every week with this staff. So that's my issue there. That should be, you know, everybody should realize that. Everybody should realize it. But... I don't know, man. 
like I said, just finish off the season as strong as possible, man. These last month and a, this last month and a half, I can't believe it's August 11th already. Jesus Christ! Wow, it's gonna be important though. Gotta finish off strong. Um, what else do I got for you guys? Uh, oh, talk a little. Let's. So uh, Gary Sanchez made his return from the DL this series. Came back in the third and fourth game of the set. He played both of them. His first at bat, he struck out in game three. Then he hit the big homer to make it one nothing at the time. And I believe altogether that he didn't really do much after he was over seven with Homer and a hit by pitch. That's Gary. <laughs> a couple of strikeouts and pop ups mixed in there. And yeah. Listen, um Gary Sanchez. I'm not so I'm not fully out on him. Alright. Lots of people on my Twitter feed, you know, people I follow with my blog. Uh, lots of people don't like the guy. You know, he's not the easiest player to root for either. I understand that. You know, low energy, inconsistent. Here's my thing. Do you guys remember when he was this prospect in the organization for a few years? They were scouting him as this all-around threat. Right? This next big all-around MVP hitter who could not only hit for power but for average as well. You know, and he showed that. Then he showed that when he first got up. His first year here, he hit just below 300. Right pounded 20 homers in 50 games. Second season comes along. He hits just under 280. 33 homers in 120-something games. That was the Garrett within his OPS both of those years. You know, was between 900 and 1,000. That was the all-around hitting Gary. Now it's like we've the last two years we're seeing a way different guy, where he's more this one-dimensional slugger. Where it's more he's just going to become a home run or nothing guy, instead of a homer single double. I was going to say triple. <laughs> no, instead of a homer single double guy, he's becoming just like a homer or nothing guy. He's not taking his walks as much. It's like it's going to be homer or nothing. And I'll take that. Fine, because he's a catcher. you got to remember, catchers aren't the most productive hitters. But I'll take it if it means he hovers around 250 and still takes his walks and gets on base. If he's hitting 220, 230 tops like he is right now, I'm not sure I, I, I think he's that special. But if Gary Sanchez can still hit you 250, hover around that mark, give or take... I'll accept the shit out of that. Guy with 35 homer power. As long as he can stay healthy. If he hits 250, you know, gets on base at a 340, 330 clip, I'll take the shit out of that, man. I'll take it. So I've kind of lost hope on him being this all-around threat. But I still think he could be a very productive hitter. Slugger. You know? I just hope it's not that one-dimensional where it's like, okay, guy's hitting, you know, barely above the Mendoza. So hopefully he gets hot again, gets back up to 250, hovers around that mark, doesn't go much lower, still gets on base, still slugs. He's always going to slug. But yeah, it's just, it's that consistency with the plate discipline. You know, when he's locked in, he's going the other way, taking his walks and, you know, he's not trying to tug everything. 
he's letting it come natural. So that's what that's the guy I want to see. Just a little more consistency from him at the plate. Hopefully we get that in these final, you know, in this final month and a half. Because he's too important, you know. Because it's not even just when he's on. It's when he's off. He's that harmful to a lineup. Because when he's off, he's hurting you. He's hurting you real bad. But, yeah, hopefully he gets going. And we also need Aaron Judge. Okay, we need Aaron Judge down the stretch. And Judge, I don't know what it is this year. Lots of people are talking about the oblique. Maybe it's part of that. Maybe, you know, he's not going to be 100%. He said it. Beltron said it. You know, guys with oblique issues before have said that, you know, you're never 100% that year. And, you know, maybe he's not. Doesn't want to put as much torque on his body. Maybe it's try. Maybe that's why he's not. He's having this different approach right now, where all he's doing is bringing the ball to right field. It's like he's not even an all-field hitter right now. He's just becoming this, you know, high strikeout push hitter, who hits singles. <laughs> but yeah, we need him to get somewhat back to where he should be. You know, and it's not that he's having a terrible season. He's not having a terrible season. You look at his numbers, he's having a good, solid season. It's just not up to his expectations. So it's going to be interesting to see where he goes. But, yeah, definitely him. Definitely Gary Sanchez. Two guys who want to get going. At least one of them at their best. And that's just another weapon in an already deadly lineup. Especially when you take into account that you know our bench is spectacular this season. Gio Urshela has back-to-back two homer games at the start of the series. Um, Cameron Mabin hitting three-something right along with Gio. Mike Talkman becoming this five-tool threat out of nowhere. Mike Talkman's been one of my favorite players. I hated the damn guy when he first came up. Now I can't miss him. I love watching his at-bats. His swing is still ugly as shit. Looks like he swings from his hips. <laughs> but, no, I mean, I, I, I love the guy, man. He's been huge he walked three times the other night he's so productive it's like he's now and now he's at the point where he's doing something at the plate every game he's doing something in the field every game he's it's i love five tool guys because they impact the game in so many ways they're never gonna have they're never gonna have one game where they don't do anything most likely they're gonna do something and that's what we're seeing in mike talkman right now so yeah um, who else did I want? Oh, I wanted to talk about Mike Ford, and I think, I mean, this guy's been useless. <laughs> Let's just put it straight. Let's say it how it is. He's not been very good for the Yankees. Maybe a homer every two weeks, and, you know, he draws his occasional walks. But can we get Tyro Estrada or Clint Frazier in there to DH at the very least? Right? We could do better than Mike Ford. I would love to see either one of Estrada or Clint. Clint's got 11 homers. Josh has 12. Clint's missed a billion, jillion games because he's in the minors. <laughs> I mean, get Clint up here. And if you're not going to, if you're going to continue to punish him, get Thyro Estrada in here, man. That guy can rake. He reminded me so much of like a Torres Castro guy. Where he was just going to be aggressive at the plate. But he'll make contact. He'll pull a double down the line. He'll poke it the other way if he needed to. He was one of those guys. 
But yeah, I'm I'm Mike Ford, I don't know, he's kind of a... Uh, I'm kind of getting tired of him. It'd be nice to have some production from that spot. But I guess I can't complain too much, man. We're still winning games. We have depth everywhere else. So, after today, Yanks are 77-41, which is six, about 66%, meaning they win two of every three games. That is exactly where you want to be when you're in position for home field advantage. Got to keep winning these games. Treat every game like it's their last. And that's pretty much all I got for this one, guys. Um, Let's get to the trivia question. We haven't done trivia in a while. Alright, you know the rules. I read you a Yankee history question. First one to answer it. Either in the comments of the, of the podcast post or just inbox, wherever. I'll give your page a shout out or whatever you want me to do. Alright. Tonight's question, simple. Who is the Yankees' career RBI leader? All time. Once again, who is the Yankees' career RBI leader of all time? You don't have to give me the exact number, just give me the name. But if you want to know, the number is 1,995. Alright, that's that's the question for tonight. First one to respond to that, I'll give you a blog a shout out if you're correct, or your page a shout out if you're correct. And yeah, that's that. I'll see you guys tomorrow on the blog. And for those of you who are just listeners to the podcast, I will see you after this series. All right, ciao.